No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Our friends over at Fire on the Mountain have decided something. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah. I'm glad you asked. What it what, is. What, what have they decided? They've decided that you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. And they've also decided that they want to feed you delicious food. You want to know what else? What? They have a happy hour. What? Yes. Weekdays between two and five, they've got all draft beer. It's a dollar off. And you can get a small fry, a small tot, or a small house salad for five bucks. One tot? Well, one. Oh, okay. In order one. I, got I would one, just like one a order of a small tot. Can you put it in my hand for a dime? Yeah. And well, what else, Apple? What else you got? Well, to tell we us? talk about their food all the time. We've neglected a couple of the awesome things they have, like the sweet potato fries. They got pork nachos. They got their Tejas chips and queso. They got a whole array of sandwiches at all their locations. And of course, their famous brewing, wonderful beer. Oh, yeah. You gotta. You can't leave out the wonderful brewed deliciousness that they have over at Fire on the Mountain. And hey, here's the thing: this isn't just delicious food in Portland or Denver. Three locations in Portland, two locations in Denver. It's not just that. Nope. It is the Grateful Dead family serving you delicious food. Wow. So, what's better than our own family cooking food that they put their love and intention and joy into, and then give it to you, and then you actually can physically eat love joy and intention in I know. the form of delicious chicken wings i know it's better what when they also cook deep fried oreos and deep fried twinkies for you okay yeah that's that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome but what if they put love in that stuff then it's even better they yeah. also cater that's another awesome thing so say you want to throw a cute little office party and you want something fun and delicious it is that time they got year. you your new year's party fire you got on the friends coming over have fire on the mountain bring all the stuff and you'll be the hit so go to Fire on the Mountain, three locations in Portland, two locations in Denver. You can go to PortlandWings.com if you are feeling sad right now because you don't live in either of those places. Order yourself some swag. Get yourself yeah. some sauces. You can have a party at home with swag and sauces. Fire on the Mountain. And if you have that party at home, make sure to invite us. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> we'll be there in five minutes. Don't be sad. I would. I don't want you to be sad. About what? I don't want to be sad. You, you, you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas or you... 
forgot to get that one person something for Christmas that you really love, go to shoptourbus.com and hook them up with one of the amazing Grateful Dead inspired designs over there. And it's going to come to you in a hand designed one of a kind box or an all over printed box. It's up to you. You got to let them know. And that one of a kind box is going to come with so it's going to come with your t-shirt perfectly rolled up in it. The comfiest tee you've ever worn. And then it's going to be adorned with a piece of twine that holds it together with usually some kind of a print that's wrapped around that. A lot of intention, and then you're not done yet. There's Wait, gonna, what? There's going to probably be some. There, we've gotten. I've got boxes with candy, action figures, little Hot Wheels. I, I got mean, a miniature Jerry. All kinds man. of stuff. You never know what you're going to get. Surprises never end over at Shop Tour Bus. Some of you might even get a Miracle Grateful Dead bootleg in your order, and they're giving you free shipping when you put in the promo code No Simple Road, all one road. word when you check out. There you go, free shipping because they are part of the No Simple Road family and they love you and we love you and Shop Tour Bus loves you. Go to shoptourbus.com. Boom. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available, and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Kind of bloody. We're back. We're here. We're back. back. Hey, 
Hey, hey. Everybody, it's Aaron. Hey, now, No Simple Road family. What's up, No Simple Road family? It's Mel. And what's up, No Simple Road family? Happy holidays. This is Apple. It's a, it's a very special No Simple Road this week with Ben and Grant from the Polyrhythmics. Right on. And we are stoked to have them on the show. I have to say that they played my favorite set at Northwest String Summit yes. this year. Um, that's saying a lot that, yeah, there was a <laughs> lot of music, but, and that's when we all got turned on to polyrhythmics. It was like, oh yeah, polyrhythmics are playing late night. And we were like, okay, cool. And then it was uh, the best night of it, the entire festival. Yeah. Like, okay. Why? Why? Because, well, I mean, there was a, lots of reasons why the weather was freaking perfect. Yeah. It definitely wasn't like it is right now. Um, also sky hooked us up with this incredible, like, booth that was facing the stage yeah so we literally got to see it head on in the comfort of our own porch because we brought our porch to (laughs) um string summit and then all the no simple road family came in freaking droves they were there in full effect we were surrounded by our family from the pacific northwest and beyond yeah and then to top that off, Polyrhythmic comes on and starts the funk train, didn't stop, and kept it going. And I, I, just at the end, we really stayed till the very, very, very <laughs> we end. Were like the last. I mean, that, that's not true. We stayed to the end a lot, but in this situation, when we were in a festival, we don't usually close out festivals because right, like, we have shit to do the next day. And and in a festival, there's no bedtime. And like, it was late enough to where we were the only ones walking back to camp. Yeah, everybody was. It reminded gone. me. Remember when we ran into um, Greg's from Pigeons in 2019 because oh, we yeah, were yeah. up so late. Yes. Like that's what it kind of reminded me of, and it just the memories, the music, and the atmosphere was just literally all as perfect as it can possibly be. All right, Apple, your turn. All right. So I, I hope. I mean, a lot of like you said, a lot of you probably heard of them. I'm going to be so excited for those of you that haven't heard of them, and we're turning you on to them. These guys bring the funk. They blow. They blow it up. Like if you're not moving when this music is playing, like you're a corpse. We've said. Well, uh, what <laughs> I meant, your turn. Or maybe is, you literally why, can't. Oh, why was that night? Oh, so a special. summit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, there's that. that. <laughs> and uh-huh. then, well, because that's like Mel said that it was at one point. Turn around every direction I looked within like fifteen people deep all around us around our porch that we brought was all family listeners like it was it, it, there was so many people there that we knew and like mel summed it up i mean it was like the perfect night the weather was awesome we had our porch we partied so hard that night with everybody it was it was amazing and was they a lot just of shenanigans they, they blew night. our doors off they it, really it, did i was so stunned when the set about halfway through their set i i remember thinking to myself <laughs> This is the best night of my life. And then thinking, <laughs> what is this music? Yeah. Who is Who the this? fuck are these guys? And so like, <laughs> I, I'm going to piggyback on what you guys well, said. The, oh, let me say, well, well, oh, yeah. They, they, they have a thing too that they, that I noticed they, when we went to the Big Dirty and saw them too. They have a really cool way of, especially towards like, you think it's the end of the show almost. They kind of get real quiet. 
and bring it down. I remember several times thinking like, I don't want the music to stop. And then next thing you know, bam, into another song, just blowing your doors off. And it, it that night it seemed like they played. I know they didn't. Seven it seemed hours. Like, yeah, it seemed like it was like <laughs> like like five sets. It was, it, they're so amazing. I, I remember <clears throat> vaguely. No, I'm just kidding. I remember during the set, like turning in one direction and Cody and Bree and like Kenzo and Amanda mm. and Brad from Idaho and then turning the other way and just a whole other group like Jason and Audrey and a whole other group of No Simple Road family. And the feeling in the area that we were in, it felt like the best homecoming or prom night or like getting into the perfect temperature jacuzzi yes and just enjoying the jets on your back and on your feet and and so we have this incredible night with polyrhythmics at northwest string summit and i remember after i came home and recovered a week later um thinking to myself well i wonder if it was just the combination of substances and people and <clears throat> being there at string summit and being the last one and I can't wait to see them again and see if it was, it was just that. And so we, um, in October, was it, we went down to Eugene and saw them at the big dirty. Yeah, no, it was, no, was it? It wasn't. No. It was October. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Point Sorry. Being, we went was... again to go see them down in Eugene. And I, I remember before the show started, I was like, I hope it's the same tonight as it was at summit. And sure enough, man, they have a very particular mojo that they bring that is theirs and theirs alone. It's not like anybody else's mojo and it's groovy as fuck. Oh, and I dance differently to polyrhythmics than I do to any other band. And I was really, really excited to get them on the show. I didn't know that it was going to happen yet, but I wanted to make it happen when we saw them last time because I wanted everybody that listens to our show to know who they were. Yeah, because they will become part of your soundtrack for sure. They have around here. And I was going to add that to the like, Ben and then Jason on the bass, the way those two play yes. off each other and, and like keep the stomp going and everything. And then to even go further with the horn section that they have oh, dude, the with Scott on trumpet, Elijah on the trombone. And then I say in this interview, I feel like art, is like like a spirit animal for me. He plays sax. Like it's so awesome. And then all of a sudden here comes this flute solo that in the middle of this is- funk rock, <laughs> like knocking you back. And then this beautiful, calming, like flute solo over the music that takes you like it's like a velvet. It's like glove. takes you on a magic carpet ride and then settles you back down into this bassy, funky. I mean it the I yeah. can't wait till you listen Pacific to them. Pacific Northwest has a really, really rich music scene going on right now. There's a little renaissance happening up here right now. And one of the things that I'm most stoked about having No Simple Road is like a platform in this part of the country is to bring these bands out to a wider audience through the show so Absolutely. that you all can enjoy them the way that we do. Cause you know, every city has its local scene that's going on and and it's there's, awesome. And it's awesome. And there's so many bands that deserve to be heard by a wider scene. And, you know, the uh, YouTube and the Internet and Instagram, you're at the mercy of the algorithm. And yeah. that, that sucks sometimes. Well, 
then we also talk about, you'll hear in here, we've talked about it with other bands before, when you're like a Pacific Northwest band, it's hard, like East Coast bands, you can drive a half hour, hour to so many major cities and venues and everything up here. You know, it's few and far between Eight the hour cities drive and to everything. Get out of the state. Yeah. Is that the same thing as like actors needing to live in LA? Because yep. you can't yeah. live in like Tennessee. I mean, I'm sure you can. You can get like maybe a couple commercials or things, but like you got to go where the action is if you want to thrive. So I, I'm really, really excited for you all to hear this. And I'm glad that um, this actually came to be. And I'm stoked that it's over Christmas because you know what? Y'all are um, at home hanging out and it just so happens that this music is fitting for hanging out with family. Yeah, it is. And opening presents. And you know what else it's fitting for? Dancing your feet. What? <laughs> New Year's Eve celebrations. Oh, shit. Yes. That's where we're going to be. We are going to be with Polyrhythmics New Year's Eve, December 31st, Portland, Oregon at the Aladdin Theater. Bridgetown Boogie. Tickets still available. So, yes. So if you're up in this area, come boogie with us and Polyrhythmics. Yeah. That's right. And we it, already have a whole crew that's coming with us. So please join us. Let's shake it to this awesome, awesome band. Look, on New Year's, I, we're from Vegas originally. We moved, we moved up here six years ago. And coming from Vegas, <laughs> the last thing I ever wanted to do was go out of my home on New I Year's like Eve. like party outside of the it, house. Because it, you get so jaded to New Year's Eve living in Vegas. I think like... Oh, it also can be a little dangerous in Vegas. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I remember like when I worked for my dad filming on the strip on New Year's Eve and just being like, why am I, what am I even in? This is, I. so anyway, my point is getting jaded from going out on New Year's Eve. It takes a lot to make me excited to go out on New Year's Eve. And when I heard that Polyrhythmics were playing a New Year's show, immediately we got tickets. Like, and if you're like wondering what to do, you, you know, New Year's is coming. You don't have anybody to spend it with, or you and your crew are looking for something to do. This is the No Simple Road family inviting you out to come party with us to some badass yeah, let's music. Celebrate. Let's bring in the New Year right. Yeah, yeah, and I love the Aladdin Theater. It's cool. Dank and cool. Yeah. Super cool. And they all is going to throw out also, the, beyond that, they have a few other dates they've announced. January 25th, Midtown Ballroom in Bend, Oregon, supporting Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. Oh, cool. yeah. And then they're bouncing up on January 26th to the Neptune Theater in Seattle, Washington. And then they are going from February 6th to February 12th on Jam Cruise. Oh, oh shit. Uh-huh. Y'all are lucky, Jam they're gonna Cruise They're going to blow goers. that, that going to be like bum, bum. well you know jam cruise gets the best of the best yeah. so there is you know no matter what if you're going on jam cruise you're gonna have the time of your life mm-hmm. that's that so come hang out with us and um if you're out in bend or up in seattle go see him you won't be sorry i promise i swear you i won't. mean it I mean, it's telling the truth. Tiny little heart. You have Uh, a big heart, baby. Okay. My big old heart. 
Uh, what do we need to do to get them to the interview? Well, they want to hear the interview, so we got to... Throw some business at you real quick. Okay. Yeah. Follow No Simple Road at No Simple Road on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go to www. And TikTok. Oh, Ooh, shit. And TikTok. Dang, and TikTok. Apple threw that right. in. Yep. Apple started a No Simple Road TikTok. Yep. That's right. Everybody, go support Apple yeah. and No Simple Road on TikTok at No Simple Road, right? Yeah. yeah at No Simple Road. Got, bro? Um, I don't know, let me pull it up real quick. It's a quick. slow process. Yeah, it's a slow process. I'm learning and it, it cracks me up in the household because I'm the most I'm the most not social media person and you used I'm to like not the only be. one that's really I'm the only one but like Ryder goes on and off TikTok, but I have TikTok because so many people at work are on it all the time. I do it and I was like, I, why not? I'm gonna so so far I got eleven followers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it started, and we're getting a lot of views, 668 views on the No Simple Disruption thing. Anyway, go over there. I'm just throwing up little things. I'm going to start doing uh, a little bit behind the scenes of stuff and involving Aaron Mel, the dog, and everything. So check that out. All right. (laughs) www.nosimpleroad.com has all the No Simple Road stuff up there. Our calendar of events is there. You can get tickets to our No Simple Disruption first annual fundraiser in Asheville, North Carolina on February 15th featuring John Modeski and Friends, which is Oteil Burbridge, Vernon Reed, Maggie Rose, DJ Logic, Jeff Sype, and us. And us. And us. And Brian Jackson. That's right. Yeah, that's happening. So you can get tickets. Uh, There's a link there on nosimpleroad.com. There is also our calendar of events there. And um, on December the 29th, mark your calendars, No Simple Disruptions pilot episode will be dropping everywhere you get your podcast. And that is the spinoff podcast that we are working on with John Modeski and Jeff Firewalker Schmidt. And uh, our first poet is seven, was 17 year old when, years old when she wrote the first poem that we used for this first pilot episode. And John and Jeff made some amazing music for it. And the pilot is dropping on the 29th and we worked really hard on this man and I can't wait for you all to hear it. So, uh, mark your calendars cause that's coming out. What right else? On. What other business we got? Oh, go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road. And that is how you can support no simple road and make sure that we can continue putting out two episodes a week and traveling and doing all the stuff that we do that brings you love and joy and entertainment and, and all the stuff. We want you to call the tepid line. 971-808-1524 is the What are you going to do there? You can, you're I don't know. You're going to pretty much do whatever you want. We've asked for lots of things, but it's pretty much open mic. We want you to yeah. call, tell us a story, mm-hmm. tell us about the holidays, a trip report from a show, a, a good time with a friend, a recipe, a story about a bunny, a dog, What? <laughs> like throw some stand-up comedy at us, tell us a joke. I mean, we just want, it's a way for you to communicate with us however you want to and to share with us. And it makes us so happy when we get them. And it is now December 23rd. And we haven't gotten a review no. on Apple Podcasts since November, since 8th. November 8th. So I'm asking for a Christmas miracle from all of you. <laughs> if you would please, please leave us a five-star review on Come Apple on. Podcasts and type a little something in there so that we have a December review. It's not just an, uh, a you know, a thing that we want to make us feel good. It's also helps us helps us with visibility. Yeah. 
That's what I'm trying to say. With yeah, it lets so other people see that people are digging the show and then it puts it up in the algorithm. And when you listen to the shows, you know you want your friends to listen. Yeah, so come on. Right. Well, it gives us a chance to talk about you on the show. <laughs> that too. So I think that's all the business. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is it. Yeah, that- come join us um, for New Year's Eve, Polyrhythmics. Come, uh, what else are we going to do? Make sure you get your tickets if you're down down in Asheville Way. That's right. February the 15th. Come hang out with us. It's $20 advance, $25 a day a show. That's a hell of a deal. That's a really great deal. To see John Medeski and friends and a badass show and us emceeing. So come on down and support the family if you're in the area. And uh, here in Portland, New Year's Eve with Polyrhythmics, like Mel said. Oh, come yeah. hang out. Let's do the do. We're going to blow the roof off the Latin. Yep. All right, so let's get to this interview, guys. Let's do it. Without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Polyrhythmics.
Your guys' studio looks a little cooler than mine. <laughs> it's all good. I said uh, you, you're a little. You're bit. welcome to come here if you want. Yeah. <laughs> where Where are you guys? We're down in Portland. Oh no, shit! I'm in Portland right now. What? Come on! You should have been come here. Come on over. <laughs> We're on hold wow, for a minute. Crazy. Grant, you would have loved it. We would have had coffee, little Dutch babies Here's we made this morning. All right, I did not know that. I'm in my sister's basement right now. What's up, Ben? What's up, Ben? What's up? How's everybody doing? Dude, doing awesome. good, good, man. I'm Aaron, by the way, everybody. Hello, Aaron. What's up? What's up? <laughs> um, I'm Mel. Nice to meet y'all. <laughs> nice to meet you, Mel. And then I'm a- I'm Apple. Thank you for joining us, guys, after you just finished off your fall tour, man. You're welcome, Apple. I like, I like your shirt, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to talk about these guys. I, I told Apple we were out on the porch having a smoke before we started. I go, you're the dude that wears the shirt to the band that you're going to see. I, to- I <laughs> totally, totally, man. I do it, too. I, I love people like that. I do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, are we waiting for anybody else, guys? No. Oh, okay. I think, I think that's right. it. I think this is it. Yeah. Right. Why, yeah. why don't you guys introduce yourselves for all the people that can't see you? Uh, my name is Grant Schroff. I'm the drummer in Polyrhythmics. Well, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Here. yeah you guys nice can't hear it, but Thank I can, you. I Thank can you. have <laughs> applause sound the effects. effects will happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hit that applause button. Uh, my name is Ben. Uh, ben Bloom. I play guitar with Polyrhythmics. You sure do. Yes. Welcome, guys. <laughs> I, so I want to start this out by saying <clears throat> a huge thank you to you guys yeah you gave us the best night of live music in 2022 period mm-hmm. at string summit oh right All right on. yeah that late night set that you guys did was one of the most memorable memorable and incredible just you know how sometimes when you're out at a festival or at a concert there's just like the perfect storm of how high you are and who you're with and the music that's playing and everything just comes together. Perfect. And I had never heard you guys before. Yeah. And it We're was new like, to polyrhythmic. It was like, Holy shit. No, we, we, we saw him. We, we, we saw him at the first time we saw him was at Beltane at the rain fest. Yes. Oh, yeah. that oh, night, yeah. which you guys that killed it. But yeah, Aaron's back was out. He was in so much pain. I don't think he has recollection of nope. that. Nope. But that's the first time we saw you live after, you know, listening to you for a while, but then seeing you live and then going to the string summit thing that turned into the biggest dance party that we have been part of this year. And then, you know, I, we went and saw you guys down in Eugene at the big dirty. And when we were headed to the show, like just in my head, I was like, I wonder if they can like come close to that night in. (laughs) And it was the same vibe, (laughs) the same groove. You guys really do have something special, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. I, I'm curious about the superhero origin story of polyrhythmics. I want to hear how this all started. <laughs> well, um, you know, I think like most bands, at least most bands in Seattle, um, it started with uh, musician, you know, groups of musicians uh, who sort of have played together before in the scene, kind of like, you know, kind of coming together um, uh, it, it, into a new focus project. Basically, like, Grant and myself were at, in the very beginnings, like 2009 or so. Um, we had known each other a little bit 
through playing um, in the Seattle music scene, he was playing with a group called the, the Jake Shaw trio, mm-hmm. which was an uh, organ trio. Um, that's when I first got to hear, hear Grant and Jason actually play together. Um, and anyway, we, we, we were friends and we were, um, we both were, were into funk music and different things. And sort of around the same time, we sort of both had this vision independently um, th- that we wanted to start sort of like a, a polyrhythmic multifaceted funk, machine kind of band, you know, like something big, a big band, um, instrumental dance music, um, different, slightly, slightly different influences, but, but the, um, we were both kind of coming from the same place on that, like, um, obscure German funk stuff to anti-ballist type stuff to Fela Kuti influenced music, you know, stuff that really wasn't, we weren't really hearing in Seattle and thought would, would go really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Grant sort of called me randomly and, and told me this idea. And I was like, well, that's, that's amazing. I was, I was having a similar concept. Let's put some, some, some uh, musicians together and start writing some music. So um, Grant and Jason had, had played together quite a bit and I knew them. Um, and we, I was also playing in a band, uh uh called soul kata out of seattle which, with uh art and scott and eli on um, the horn section from polyrhythmics and also lalo at the time um original percussionist with polyrhythmics so we kind of brought them into the fold um and we kind of started writing music with the idea of putting out um uh a 45 we wanted to put out vinyl music we were all really into that and really wanted to kind of get music that was really it, it was just going to be a recording project okay right? just just like write some good stuff, put it down to tape, make some records, be proud of them, sell them, you know, like, yeah, we did it. Uh, so we, we did that. We, we made it, we made an EP and um, a couple 45s came out of that. We kind of shopped it around and a label out of Canada put out the first couple for us. Um, and then a, a label in Brooklyn put out one of them uh, for us as well. So it was, we were getting some momentum around it and we're like, all right, let's, let's, do a CD release party, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like an EP release. We have this music. Let's, let's do it. So we booked a show um, at this venue called toast in Fremont, right at the center of the universe in, in Seattle. <laughs> and uh, we, we just were like, all right, we're going to play the show to sell these records. And so we did it. And it was, it was kind of a very cathartic, amazing experience that the, the Seattle um, community really showed up. It was like a sold out show. People oh, were sure. dancing from like, front to the back in a way that didn't wasn't really happen seattle has a, a notor like a a reputation for having um pretty st- stoic music listeners you know the space needle where everyone just kind of holds hands like this <laughs> <staring> <laughs> at the band intently. and that's how that's how seattle fans like take took in music and we were really sort of blown away by the reaction to the fans and then the, and the sound of the music live performing so it kind of started they're becoming a live project as well like wow in addition to the recording concept but always has sort of been a, um, a recording focused band we're always sort of about making the records and then the performance is sort of like in a lot of ways rehearsal for that <laughs> it's kind wow. of a, a long-winded process of like working out music and feeling out vibes and spaces and then going into the studio and recording it and then doing the same thing again you know and um, it's sort of been like that for the last uh, 10 or so years now. Damn. Wow. Damn. 10 yeah. years of like, hey, let's just see what happens. And here you are. That's I mean, that's a by any in any business. That's a good run, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, it's also very impressive with, with eight members in a band to have yeah. the same lineup for that long and do it the way you guys do. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's a trip to me, too, man. Like. 
I lived up in Seattle for a little while and I know what you're talking about. And that was something that I wanted to ask you guys about is like when we saw you at the big dirty, that entire room was jamming its ass off. Everybody was dancing and making music that doesn't have any lyrics is all instrumental, heavily groove based and coming from Seattle have you always seen that reaction as you saw at that party? Has, have they welcomed you guys with open arms up there or, or has it been a struggle coming from up there? Have they always welcomed us in open, with, with open arms in Seattle? Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like from the, from the beginning, like Ben was saying, there was like, you know, that like, even just that first show that we played, that's when we kind of realized like, Oh, Maybe we should like play some more shows. Maybe we should go rent a van. Maybe we should, you know, like do other things besides focus, focusing mainly on just record, which is kind of what we were focusing on to begin with. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, the Seattle community has been awesome to us. Like uh, KXP has been really great for us. You know, I think there's a lot of things about Seattle that, um, you know, it's we're, we're really lucky to have a, a, a community like that mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, um, try things out and grow from um it'd be a lot easier if it wasn't in the far northwest corner of the country yeah yeah <laughs> you know for sure makes tra- makes traveling a little you know a little tougher but um but yeah i don't know i mean i'm i'm also i i'm from seattle originally or i'm from linwood originally okay Ben's from New York. He might have a different a different uh, perspective on seattle than i do what's your what's your what's your take ben uh, let's see. Well, go to your, back to your original question, you know, Seattle, Seattle, um, fans, what was it? What, what I think was, was the blown, the blown away moment for us. And what made this a live band was the fact that Seattle fans, Seattle music fans were like dancing. Like you said, like yep. people were, were, were loose and free in a way that like, you know, really wasn't happening in Seattle in, in this, in our scene or in a way that we saw. So that was something that was powerful for us. And then obviously the fact that the music feeds off of that is it was another, you know, level to, um, to the creativity mm-hmm. that, that kind of, kind of came from that. Um, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, we have very fun shows here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like people get down, it's real, <laughs> it's a party. Um, it's different everywhere we go. And it's interesting to see the dance moves, um, <laughs> regions of the country and how they sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, how leave their mark in the places that they're in, in our minds anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's um it's been a supportive community. I, Seattle is when I moved to Seattle, I moved to, I moved here from Boston originally in 2001. And what was what blew me away about Seattle was sort of the free expressive creativity that this music scene and music community has. It's it's unlike anywhere else in the country that I have had been at the time and still have been wow. in terms of a really really talented music local music community that plays like a lot of really original music, you know, like not cover bands, not whatever, just like really original stuff. And some of it is really off the wall and has no, you're like, that's not commercially viable in any way, but it's (laughs) really real art happening, you know? Right. And, um, and that, uh, that still sort of, even with, with all the strains and stresses of living in an expensive city that still exists, I feel like in Seattle today. And is different than other communities that we travel to. Um, and so the music fans, I think, are more discerning here because they have a very, very, you know, there's a lot of really talented local music here that's just like world class, you know. And a, a lot of reason for that is because 
it's so far from everywhere else that bands and musicians don't leave the Northwest. Right. You know? yeah. This is it's too far to go to California. It's too far to go to New York. We're, you know, we're kind of stuck here in the Northwest. So there is a very talented sort of pool of creativity here that um, I think is, is cool. Um, it's also, you know, with KXP and the larger sort of outlets that we've been able to explore here in Seattle, it, those places really turned on to us after we went out on the road and started getting, you know, some people from other places interested in our music. It was like Seattle's very much celebrates, I think, the local musicians who leave and come back. Right? <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? I, yeah. Once somewhere else accepts you, then we will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Seattle very, very much looks to the outside world being like, what's cool, you know? <laughs> what's cool in San Francisco? What's cool here? And, and I think that's, um, that reflected in in um, sort of how we were treated as a band, and I think a lot of bands that that have started to break out into the into the world from Seattle, I think, experienced that as well. At the time when you guys, um, you know, recorded and stuff like that, you all were in other projects, and then that just kind of went by the wayside. And or do you all still have side projects that you are in currently? I think we we all still. I mean, yeah, everyone was doing stuff when you know when we got together and everyone still does stuff that you know still has their side projects i think as like you know it was kind of a slow process where like we got together to record then we started like booking a few gigs you know then we started like leaving for longer periods of time and you know we got offered some some better gigs you know and, and that's when like people started to kind of slowly make it more of their like priority you know yeah yeah um but it, yeah, it, it wasn't like, and it's funny because a lot of like a lot of other bands, you know, or people that I know that are in big bands are trying to get that together. They're like, how do you guys get that? You know, like, how do you get that? Like everyone like ready to go from day one. And I think a lot of it with us goes back to recording, you know, wow. it's like, that's where it all starts from. It's like, and, and it's still a, a really huge part of what we do, you know? Um, it's uh... yeah. So what? It's it's strange to me to think that <clears throat> it starts from the recording because it kind of seems the opposite of what most other bands do. They get together, they play in the garage, they go play some shows, they start to have people coming to see them, then they go record. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like backwards. Yeah. I should say that we also, uh, like, uh, another thing that I think is pretty big to, like, the way this band sounds is the rhythm section um, has a side project called, um, unthinkable heavies. And it's basically the rhythm section with, um, art Brown, the sax clip. And we were playing at a place called the sea monster, which is kind of like a local Seattle music hang. Um, they have a lot of like great jazz funk, um, a lot of like, you know, recurring like weekly gigs, monthly gigs. And we were doing a monthly there. Um, and we probably did it for like 10 years and it was just the rhythm section and it was oh, wow. super loose. And it was, you know, we would like ex do a lot of experimenting and we would learn how to jam together and we would learn how to like trust each other, you know, and make things happen in that kind of way live yeah. that also translates over to recording as well, you know, because a lot of the, the recording we've done has, has been like, you know, we're trying to capture that magical moment where we're all playing, you know, in one room and, you know, so I, I think a lot of it also has to do with those, those types of side things that we've mm. been doing throughout the whole, you know, however long it is, 10, 11, I guess coming up on 12 years now, maybe. Yeah. Um, so. I, 
I would say, I want to say, you know, with the re- getting back to the recording thing, like the buy-in from the band members and the reason that the band stayed, like, I feel like was bought in from the beginning, like Grant was saying is that, you know, once you're, you leave an artistic mark, like once, it, I think a lot of us had not experienced in a project, right. Where you make, you go in, you record something and then it actually comes out in a physical world, like a label puts it out or something like that. You know, like it was like, there was actually like purpose beyond like we, we made something and then something, then the, the world kind of took it and made it their own. And that was like a, a very, I think, powerful buy-in for everybody who mm-hmm. was in the, the project. Cause they're like, wow, we can actually continue to make music that's actually going to go through the pipeline and get out to people's ears. And that was, I think, uh, an early way that people really uh, made it sort of a priority to other projects that they had done. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and we, we continued to make records in that way that, that allowed us to, to do that. And I think that's, that sort of helped keep the unit unit together. Um, the live projects and the side projects and stuff like that, like Grant was saying, um, have always been a part of the Seattle community. Like a, a, most Seattle musicians play in like a million bands. <laughs> you right. know, it's like, yeah. it sort of is, is the way, I, I guess the way that it is in, in a lot of cities like Austin and New Orleans and things like that too. Um, and so being able to, to, to try stuff and experiment and, and do that is all, is all kind of a, uh, I think part of it, the other the other thing is like not trying to all of us are creative and and can can really lead our own bands. I mean every musician in polyrhythmics writes music, writes music for polyrhythmics and other projects as well. Um and so it's important to have outlets I think as for creative people that allow you to express the things that don't necessarily fit in the lane that you're trying like you know we mm-hmm. sort of have at this point in polyrhythmics a refined sort of thing going on. Um, both live and in the studio it's like we're taking risks but we're taking risks as a big unit you know we're not like one person just taking a, a left turn and we're like oh what's going on over there it's like our our focus is a little is more defined i think than it than it than it, it okay. was when we first started so it's nice to have places to put other artistic things that we like like we like a lot of different types of music right but it doesn't necessarily all have to be in polyrhythmics yeah that makes that well, makes sense and i, I want to go back to something that you said grant um you know, having time to play together and, and learn how to trust each other, you know? Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit for, for people that aren't musicians hear that it just like goes past them, right. As something that you said, but that's really important when you're creating art with other people to be able to be in a space to trust them. What does that mean for you guys? Yeah, you know, I think it can mean a few different things. I I think it can be implied to a lot of different um, ways that that you can approach music. I was specifically really thinking about, you know, when we like like our music is pretty um, pretty orchestrated, but it has there's like big sections that we have basically like blocked off for like this is where we're gonna let something develop. And this is where we're going to, you know, improvise and we're going to like listen to each other. And I feel like the trust part is like, you know, when someone is kind of being like, okay, I think we're going to take it this direction, not fighting it. And like, you know, in, in a split second, buying into that. Right. Mm. And, and like following that, whichever way the, the, the rabbit hole goes, you know what I mean? That's and dope. yeah. And the more that we play together, the more that we kind of just know that like, okay, someone's going to kind of pick it up right here. 
And we may not know how this thing is going to end, but it's going to show itself to us, you know, as long as we're patient and we don't like try to force it, you know, I feel like that's been a thing with other bands and other musicians that I've played with. It's like, you know, if there's not that much trust, then some people just try to grab the reins and force it into one direction because they're like, ah, oh, someone's got to control this thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, so I feel like that's, that's a big part of what we do. And it's a big part of how we've, uh, how our sound has evolved over the years. Right. That, that's one thing I love. I love what, what Ben said and what you just said. The thing I love about watching you guys live now have seen you a handful of times is everybody in the band is capable of leading their own band. So you have like eight leaders. There is always, you, you demand, like you, demand attention to everybody yeah. and i gotta say out of the bed it's hard to like, like i love you all but i feel like art is like my spirit animal <laughs> watching live and that's we you know for a sax player flautist to be the one to me even when he's not playing even when the horn section's not playing they are we were commenting on that when we saw they are still so in the groove even when they're just standing there and they just you know everybody in the band has that attention drawn to them and it's hard to know who to watch, but everybody does, everybody takes the lead and shares it and it passes around so effortlessly that it just keeps the groove going. I mean, we were there when we've seen you guys, it's like, if you are not moving your ass and your, your entire body at a polyrhythmic store uh, show, you're a corpse. <laughs> yeah. or, or you're so high that you're out in outer space yeah. and the, the, you know, the soundtrack is there, but you're incapable of moving. Well, it, to be able to have trust like that with eight other, I could see, you know, three guys, a four piece, even like developing that thing over time, but finding eight people that you can musically fall in with like that is a gift. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, I don't know, man, that's, that's something special. And I think that maybe that is what we're responding to is that level of um, connection between you guys. Because like I said, it's a very specific thing that you guys bring. It's a, that groove is, is real and it's magical and it's tight and it's, and it's tight. And um, I I think that that kind of answers that for me is that (laughs) it's the trust between you guys that, is bringing that out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, I think art's a great example of that. Uh, because art, for example, is a, I mean, he's a, he's a great soloist, right? He, he's, he really knows how to like build an arc. He's super patient, but he trusts us a lot because he doesn't know what we're going to do underneath it. (laughs) (laughs) We can be like, like we can be like, you know, building something up and kind of lifting him up one direction. We could be pulling the rug from out underneath him. You know, he doesn't even really cue when his solos end. Like, like he, he lets me cue a lot of times when his solos end because he's like, man, I'm just going to ride the rhythm section wave and you guys will know when it's done. You know? So I think that's, you know, like the amount of trust that he has in us is, you know, it's cool. It's fun to play. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the the other thing too is like when you when we every time we watch you the the fun you guys are having on stage is amazing. (laughs) Watching Jason and Ben like in the middle of the universe, kind of doing that stomp and keeping that pocket that everybody is creating around 
is I I haven't seen that with other with mm-hmm. other bands. It it's you know it just you guys keep that pocket so down. It gives that beat to just continuously move move with it. Never it never breaks. Yeah, and you know watching you guys, Ben. I I wanted to ask you like your playing is so you and unique, and I wondered like what your influences are and and like how you got started playing and how that developed. Cause it really is unique and it's you, man. It's badass. Oh, thanks. Thank yeah. you. Um, well, you know, I, I think my musical taste on guitar kind of, or like influences are sort of all over the map, probably like most guitar players. Mm-hmm. I, grew, I grew up, I grew up listening to like classic rock and stuff like that. And, um, and got I grew up in the in the northeast in the in the nineties and was really got into sort of like jam band scene pretty early. There was kind of a heavy jam band scene kind of bubbling in the northeast, like with bands like Medusky Martin and Wood that were kind of on the jazz tip that were getting in there. And then like, you know, um I was really into funk music early on and I had I was playing a jazz band in, in high school and so that our our jazz band uh teacher would always like sneak out the rhythm section like all these all this like fusion music and like you know so he would give us some like herbie stuff to learn and so our the, the rhythm section of the jazz band would like learn the herbie tunes and oh, then shit. he'd give us like some return to forever stuff and then like some zappa stuff and then kind of like yeah. that so we we got we got sort of influenced in, in all that that music early on and i was a really big zappa fan i got really into frank zappa early on and and then bands like fish and um and things like that and so those were kind of like the early influences on my guitar playing um on the jazz side like grant green um west montgomery okay like that were were kind of really really you know influential as i got into like like later in high school i got into really the 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 rhythmic aspect of guitar um really into like all the james brown guitar players all of the different you know, ways where these like little kind of pocket grooves kind of came up to make like a really, really strong kind of feeling. Um, and so in college, got more into like Afrobeat music. And um, I went to school in Boston and there was a lot of bands playing, you know, sort of West African music or like touching on that there. Um, and so I was, I, there was a band in particular called the Miracle Orchestra, which which was uh, a Northeast project that consisted of like the Sayers brothers, Garrett Sayers, who's the bass player, you know, for the Motet Mm -hmm. uh, and his brother drew there. It was their project. Um, And it was like kind of a fusion band, but they were really like heavy, heavy rhythmic and um, kind of got me into, into, you know, I don't know. It was like, it was an influence early on. Right. Bands Mm -hmm. like the slip and things like that. Okay. Well, Um, so guitar, guitar wise, it's like Zappa, Grant Green, and then like every James Brown guitar player. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're kind of like the things that were really like the most probably influential. So are you a, a guy that went to music school for college or did you just start playing and do your thing? Um, I did not go to music school um, in college. I, I, was in, I went to school for something else in Boston. I went to, I went to BU and I was, I, I started playing with, um, I was always playing music, but I wasn't playing at a collegiate level. Um, I was kind of more jamming and stuff. And I got, um, I had some friends in my in my class that were in a band called Addison Groove Project, which was another Northeast sort of jam band. And I would jam with them a little bit and they were playing funk music. And I started my own little thing there. But really, it wasn't until like I moved to Seattle in 2001 that I kind of really started kind of like pushing for to play music out 
right. uh, pretty much as I, as I graduated. And um, I had a, a, I started a rock trio in Seattle called War Pigeon, which was very like Zappa-ish. <laughs> very, I love the like, name. And very, um, you know, kind of comedic, funky, fusion-y kind of music. And, um, and that's kind of where my path started. Um, I got into some funk bands and stuff after that, playing with Lucky Brown and, um, and, uh, and other projects in the Northwest and then polyrhythmics. And here we are, dude. But so Ben never vocals or, um, I used to sing actually in War Pigeon, I sang, um, and definitely, you know, definitely instrumental music became more and more of my focus, um, as I started recording, um, Mm. and mostly because I just got really, really into the, into like, I don't know, like the idea of, of music, um, having a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, right? When you, when you have vocal music, it's like, you either like the singer or you don't like the singer. If you Mm -hmm. like the singer, you like, you might like the band. If you don't like the singer, there's no chance you're going to like the band. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like, so there's like all these layers of like, of, of access to the music that are kind of there. And then the message is pretty much like being spit down your throat. Like, here's what it's about. Right. Yep. You know, with instrumental music, I, you know, I found myself listening to bands like Medusky, Martin Wood, right. Which would just take you on this journey that you're like, wow, I just went on on a trip. I wasn't, you know, sober or not. Like, you're just like, you know, it took you places and then you listen to it again. Another time it takes you somewhere completely different. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, That kind of thing got really like, I don't know. I just yeah. got sort of addicted to that. And as we started to record and, and make recordings um, and being able to capture all the aspects of production and things like that, it there's just so many, so many, so many miles to travel in that realm that I just kind of haven't really looked back in my end, uh, haven't practiced any vocal chops in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I, I, I saw something about like you saying that, which we all call it, the, you know, the soundtrack to our lives. That, yeah. that it does create a soundtrack because you guys get played around her by all of us. We have a very big, we have a big house. It's played in the kitchen when cooking. It's played when friends are over here hanging out on the patio. It's on when somebody's in the shower. It's on. I mean, because it, it, it's music, open. Yeah, it's yeah. just so easy to enjoy by everyone. And like you, you said it perfectly. You either like the vocalist or you don't, or maybe you like the music, but the song sucks, you know, like the, the lyrics. And so when you have this opportunity to just not think, but feel the music, it changes and everybody in the same room can feel however they want and, and jive together without needing to debate any controversial lyric or or stupid you know word choice you know to to me it's music that's always appropriate yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's just always appropriate no matter what circumstance it is because it could be your favorite song again and again and it's going to mean something each time to to that environment or who you're with or where you are so that's what i love about instrumental music so much for both of you like was it the love of music that made you like you know set aside any kind of nine to fivers or do you do that? Like what, what's your um, current situation with music as far as like, you know, going forward in, you know, is it paying your bills? Is it something that you always wanted to do? Hey, Hey man, what if, what if Santa comes down your chimney and he leaves a bunch of weed under the tree? That's pretty cool. Santa. It is pretty cool. That'd be like, 
Canna Claus. Can, it would yeah. be like Canna Claus. Exactly like that. We have our own Canna Claus here in Portland. Yeah, and we that's do. Apple. That's me. And he works at Define Premium Cannabis out in Hillsboro. Tell him all about it, Apple. Well, we have a nice boutique shop out there. And if you come in and visit us, and when you come in, you make sure to say, I'm a No Simple Road listener. No We're going to roll out the red yeah, carpet. No We're going to welcome you in. Well, here, oh, oh here, thank here you. comes the red carpet. We're welcoming you. Wow. Come on in, oh, hey, Mel I'm and a No Aaron. Simple Road listener. I didn't well, expect all this you, fanfare. Are you two wow. shopping together? We yes, are. As a matter of fact, well, we are. Well, what seems to be bothering you well, lately? I, I have a hard time falling asleep, and my head's all over the place, man. And well, I like getting back rubs, and I also. So like getting high. Okay, well, it sounds like for you as a couple, I would recommend you want the you want the nighttime CBN CBD gummies, Aaron. That's no. going to help you with your inflammation. It's going to calm you. It's not going to knock you out, but it, when you go to sleep, it's going to help you sleep throughout the night. Mm, wow. And I then like Mel, that. sounds like you need like a nice salve or a balm yes. or some of some of our uh, our clinical strength mentholated lotion. There, there's several. Oh, and you know what? For both of you, I would highly recommend buying a bottle of this high desert pure bath salts okay okay i'm ready so this this uh a demonstration that you've been listening to is exactly the kind of care and attention you're gonna get at define premium and wait don't leave yet because here's a couple free lighters and a free t-shirt i listen to those here's a free t-shirt and make sure to wear that back next time because we're gonna stack that on the other one you're gonna get a 15 percent. damn i walked out of here with gummies and lotion a t-shirt and a lighter and Look at this free bong I got. Don't I'm going forget, home to get don't loaded. Don't forget the bath salts. Ooh, that's right. And you know what? What? Always bring a towel. That's right. Define <laughs> premium cannabis. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Um, with me personally, uh, yeah, I, I made a decision like a while ago that like music is what I want to do. Um, you know, I want to, I want to play, I want to record. Um, I also teach lessons, right on a lot of us in the band, a lot of us in the band teach lessons, um, you know, and I love that too. And it's a great way to uh, give back, man. Yeah. And it takes up, you know, it's kind of ebbs and flows with the, with the touring schedule. Like we're not on the road, like, you know, 80% of the year, like some bands are, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's, it, there's definitely a, uh, I don't know. There's like a balance to it. Wow. You don't hear that very um, often, Grant. Mm-mm. Yeah, and Ben's, Ben's situation might be a little bit different, um, but several of us in the band definitely teach lessons, so that's one thing that we all kind of yeah. share. I know Ben teaches a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's about. I mean, music lo- like Grant. I luckily decided that I was going to be that music was the was the path for me at an early point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else is sort of like you do what it takes to make to allow yourself to play music. I mean, it's kind of like as I, as you get older, it's like really, really it's like, I don't know, it's like more intensely defined. It's like you're every like music is the priority and whatever it takes without anyone getting hurt, basically. to get, to get yeah. it done. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, and if hurt, not maimed. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if maimed, yeah. not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Not as long as, you know, 
and it's it's interesting it's like i think i feel like that the the part of there there's something so valuable about putting something out into the world that you're leaving behind i mean i I think if we were a a project that was just out playing shows and not making records i don't think the the, the value would be there really for any of us in the way that it is i mean the we've all we all we all grew up and are still continuing to look to listen to music that was recorded in the last 100 200 years you Mm -hmm. know and it's like when you find something that moves you that was recorded whenever it was recorded 50 years ago 60 years ago it it sets you off into at least it sets me it's it has set me off into directions that have like created all kinds of new music from you know and i and to think about that happening with our music potentially um in the future is is like one of the most valuable things to me wow so you're already aware of the legacy that you're leaving behind and kind of working with it still i think it's probably the most the most potent motivator. Wow. Wow. That, I mean, that's, that's saying a lot. Like when we started doing this podcast, we started five and change years ago. And that was not on my mind until maybe a year or so in, I was like, Holy shit, we're documenting like an entire period of music that's happening. And this is, then we had a grandson. I'm like, Oh my God, this kid's going to be able to get to know his grandparents through all this shit that we've done and he's going to be able to go back and listen to this. And like, and then when COVID happened, like we documented all these artists through COVID and lockdown and all this stuff. And I, I have to agree with you, man, that legacy is one of the driving motivators of like, when you find something that you're passionate about and moving forward with, it, especially as you get older, cause you start to realize that there's less time in front of you than there is behind you. And you want to have something that like, means something when you're not around anymore and music especially um or like instrumental music is so potent for that because like we were just talking about a minute ago it's it's interpreted interpreted by the listener and it's situational and so 20 years from now when somebody listens to polyrhythmics who knows what they're going to be thinking you know because of what situation they're in or what's going on in the world or whatever so having that to leave behind is super powerful, man. I love that. That's really cool. Well, thanks. That's why that's, I think that's probably the number one reason that we're trying to make as many records as possible while, while we can. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, we, we just finished uh, a new record that'll hopefully come out here in the next six months that yes. we're um, excited about. We're, we're very much a band that needs to like get the music out as yeah. soon as we're done with it so that we can start working on the next one. Uh, <laughs> So that's kind of uh, that's kind of where we're at right now in that cycle. Well, and and you get you have your own studio now, right? Jason uh, has a studio that you guys record in now. Yeah, we've uh, for, for the last several years we've been recording um, at Jason's studio. He he built he built a a studio in West Seattle that's sort of like kind of perfect for us. We're 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 a very like no frills band when it comes to recording we we're not afraid to record in dirty dingy places that are just spaces that allow us to occupy i mean there's a lot there's a lot about our recording process which is about really capturing the like a really good recording um in a funky spot <laughs> okay and call, calling it good but jason's place has really allowed us to i think um to kind of lean more on the post-production side of things and really develop our hand at produce at like you know, adding stuff after the fact, after it's been recorded um, in a way that's been really, really fun. So we've definitely done the last few there. And uh, and this one, 
this record was mostly all recorded during the pandemic. So it was oh. mostly recorded. We did some live tracks at Jason's studio and then a lot of remote recording that then came back into Jason's studio to mix. So, um, and are you all mixing it? Like, are you all part of the, pro- the post uh, production process? Um, primarily it's been mostly Grant, myself and Jason, okay. um, um, kind of, kind of doing a lot of the, the post-production work. Um, and I think, you know, it sort of ebbs and flows everybody. When, when someone writes a song mm-hmm. or is a big part of writing a song, a lot of times they'll be more involved in the, the total production of that song. Um, Jason sort of is like from a producer, like if you were looking at it, like a producer, Jason's role is like to make sure that the, all of the music sounds cohesive together. <laughs> you know, Mm -hmm. over the course of a record potentially. And then um, the writers themselves have a lot more say in like, well, I want this type of effect going on here. What, you know, like we'll go in and play. And sometimes, I mean, Grant and Jason and I have had sessions that have lasted many, many nights where we go just down the rabbit hole on (laughs) just all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, just to scrap it all and go back to what we had, you know. In the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, a lot of it's just really the fact that we can do it. And um, we learn a lot from that process. And sometimes you just find these happy mistakes. Sometimes they're like, there's, there's this like really, really, really like a gem of a musical moment that happens. Right. And it just happens. And it's, it's really, really cool and powerful. And you try to like, you're like, what can I do to make that sound different and unique? And you try a whole bunch of different things. And sometimes you end up with something really, really weird and way further along mm. than you would have ever really thought would work. And then, you leave it alone and after like you know a while you're like well i just i kind of like the way that sounds you know and then it sort of just kind of normalizes in your in your brain and then it ends up on a record well and having the freedom to be able to spend that kind of time in the studio and like i'm not paying however many dollars an hour for studio time and there's no pressure you know right to gives you gives you a different i would think a a little more um paint on the palette to be able to just do your shit. You know what I mean? It does. Totally. And it's also, it's, a, I think it's also just like you said, it's like another, it's another paint on the palette. Like we're all creative artists. Grant writes, writes music, start to finish whole tunes. Right. And you know, where, where the horn parts are completely worked out and everything is sort of like kind of buttoned up sometimes all the way. You're like, wow, how does, how does that happen? Yeah. And so everyone, every creative person who's given like another paintbrush to paint with is going to come up with something right Right. yeah so as you're like okay here's your reverb tank go go to town on throwing everything through reverb and seeing you know eventually you're going to come up with something pretty cool and unique i think it doesn't it's it's sometimes less refined than someone who's like an expert in that one thing but um i think put giving creative uh people more paintbrushes is always a good good good. thing yeah (laughs) grant i think i think it's also worth saying that we like dub a lot and we like weed Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. For what, all the hours those sounds in the studio, tend to find their way into uh, into our music. What, I'm curious too if we could back up and because we heard Ben talk, Grant, what, like you grew up. You said you grew up in Seattle and everything. What are like what are your influences? Like when did you start? When did the drums come into your life? You know, what are your influences to get you to where we're sitting now? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started playing when I was like in fourth grade, wow. um, Holy started shit. taking lessons from a really great teacher. Um, this guy named Dan Adams, at the uh, percussion instructor at Seattle Pacific university. And, um, I, I totally remember like when I was in seventh grade playing in band 
and I listened to Squib Kicks by Tower Power. Uh-huh. And that drum intro on Squib Kicks, and then just the whole song. Like that that right there was a very, very pivotal moment for me. Like I realized that I absolutely love funk music. Okay. Wow. And I you know, I was like really I really geeked out on bands like that and that, you know, like Tower Power, Mike Clark, Kirby Hancock, stuff like that. When I was in middle school, as I got older, I got more, I mean, you know, I went through all sorts of different phases, but I, I've, you know, my, my influences, I would say primarily come from, um, funk, James Brown, you know, I like pocket drumming. I'm also like really into hip hop too. So that's another thing that, you know, that's another, I feel like part that I add to, or I guess a voice that I bring to the band yeah. is kind of more in that direction. Um, for me, it's like, it all just has to feel good. You know, like <laughs> when we're, even when we're like jamming and we're going places, like it can get loose while, sti- while, while, while being locked. While, the, po- while the pocket is still <laughs> filled. Yes. Yeah. No, you I, know I, what I mean, and, that, and me and Jason are committed to that. Me and me and the bass player, Jason, like we're committed to making sure that, things are locked and like when they're not locked we talk about it <laughs> okay so, wow. hey you know what man like that, Dan- dancing when you're in that loose lock you got it no man because jason's smile is really something that captured me right off the bat like i mean <laughs> i love every musician guitar bass drums all that but you know sometimes when you're an onlooker someone will stick into your mind for whatever reason or you'll just lock in on that one person and when we were at the big dirty we were a little bit further out when you guys were playing at at summit um so we just enjoyed the sound of the band and what you were bringing but when we were a little bit closer and were able to see and seeing the interplay between you and Jason Grant and Jason's face when that lock loose was going on there's nothing like that like <laughs> that right there is why people drop shit and go on tour it's why people like say you know what I'm playing I'm playing the drums now or I'm playing the bass now like that's that's what's cool i think um you know just being a little bit more selfish but specifically as an adult that can go to the shows and enjoys dancing and loves that that's the kind of stuff that inspires an adult to like pick up a new instrument and be like fucking i'm doing it i don't care what's going on i'm gonna call this dude grant see if he does lessons you know what i mean like it is what you guys are doing and and you're just having fun clearly you guys are having fun you're smiling the whole time joking around on stage bouncing like it's just really cool the inspiration that you put out by you guys just having a good time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I mean, that I think that is very important. Like having a good time on stage and being in the moment, that's also something that I think we've really learned how to settle into, you know. No matter you know n- 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 what the challenges whatever <laughs> challenges we might be facing at that moment or that night or whatever, yeah. you know, like you got to be there and you got to be in the moment. And yeah, we, I mean, with, with, with Jason, I, I've known Jason for a really long time now. I mean, it's been probably, gosh, it's got to be more than 15 years. We went to college together um, at Cornish College for the Arts in Seattle. So I, we studied music there together. And uh, yeah, like in that era of my drumming, I was like, you know, super in, I was all like, 
really into fusion and just like geeking out on drum solos a lot <laughs> and you know learning like a ton and i remember like in college playing actually with jason i, I was playing in this hawaiian reggae band what? and that <laughs> that was kind of where i learned like it was the first gig with them where i learned that like man i i, I i'm not as like tight and in the pocket as i think i am oh you know okay, yeah and okay. it was like and it was where it just goes kind of like you know like you're a young cocky like college student that's just like transcribing you know crazy drum solos and all that kind of stuff and then like going and playing with this reggae band and these guys were just like dialed you know and it was like actually a really it was it was a really like interesting like a lesson for me and learning how to play pocket music and how to like make stuff, you know, feel good. How like, okay. What's the actual steps that you're seeing that are like, Oh, I got to clean that up. Or like, so you're in this situation with this really tight band. What is it pulling out from you? Uh, well, we didn't have any rehearsals and we played like some, it was like some big festival in, in Tacoma out on, on an outdoor stage. And like the, the band leader just like, 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 bitched me out like several times he was like he was like count, count off the tune and i counted it off too slow or i counted it off too fast and they's like you're slowing down you're speeding up and it was just like oh, it was a lot you know and they're like i was like holy shit man so you got okay. initiated that day <laughs> yeah yeah got jumped in you know and i was like young jazz kid just like not really completely understand i was like oh yeah i'll go play this reggae gig i know how to play reggae this is easy you know and it was just i learned a lot that day learned wow. a lot about about how to hold it down and make things you know feel a certain kind of way yeah well wow. going back to what ben was saying about you writing music bringing a tune completely finished with horn parts buttoned up and everything what the fuck? That's man. definitely a unique mind. <laughs> yeah, That's a that, unique mind. I gotta know. Right I, I, do you do you hear it finished already, and then it's got to come out, or is it like pieced together and then it's done when you bring it to them? Um, it depends. It depends. Like some sometimes, sometimes we, you know, I, I I'll bring like a, a an idea for a groove or a groove with a with a bridge and we'll flush it out um sometimes you know a, a lot of times i do i do have like a full a fully flushed out vision for like the whole wow. tune and i just kind of like you know it's just in my head and i just it's like i have files you know okay. i have all these tunes that i'm kind of working on filed away in my brain that you know working on them is like taking the dog for a walk you know and like mm. walking down the street and just like singing through different parts and hearing oh does, is that gonna sound good oh maybe not you know, is that going to sound good? Uh, yeah, that, that kind of sounds good. And like piecing stuff together like that. Um, wow. And then, you know, as, as time went on, I started getting better at also making demos. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, um, on, in logic and stuff like that, which is really helpful. It's, it's like, like, like hearing the whole, you know, the, the whole idea of the tune, um, is sometimes good, but it's sometimes also good just to have like kind of a shell of an idea, you know, or an outline and then having all those, you know, the, the in-between spots 
get gelled when the band gets together. Mm. Okay. You know, I try not to hold on to anything too tightly and like, no, it's like this in my brain. So we have to do it like that. So you then know, it goes back to that trust, right? Like you were taught, you yeah. all were yeah. saying earlier, cause that right there, bringing in a fully fleshed idea and being like, this is it guys. Knowing that you are all instrumental, groovy, funky, like that, it's not, that doesn't even make sense to bring a full, fully fleshed idea. <laughs> this well, can't change. A, lot of, a lot of times the, for, the fully fleshed may, is maybe more like a form. Okay. Idea, yeah. You know? And it's like, it's like, uh, like, like we had a song, um, Octagon, uh, that I, that's on the record Octagon that that has a very clear idea. The whole idea is about, it's this ridiculous story about, um, about me battling a cheetah in the octagon. <laughs> and the intro, the intro is like, you know, this like slow kind of thing where you're like, you're circling, you know, and then there's like a section where like the fight is on. And then there's like this whole section where there's like, you know, Nate is playing a class solo. And I told him like, you know, I want him to like actually sound like a cheetah, like going wow, like that, you know, and like having an idea like that, that you can latch onto, that's like thematic. Yeah. That then people can kind of take, you know, and, and, and move with that in a way. And with instrumental music, you know, it's like sometimes we need just like a weird story or something to, to give us an idea because we're not singing, you know, about how like, you know, my babe left me and right. you know, whatever, <laughs> like what most songs are about. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, check this out. We're all adults. We have, you know, what? bills to pay and all that stuff, but you guys have the most fun job in the world. Period. Like that's how, debatable. How, well, no, <laughs> think about it. You get to l literally play with your friends yeah. all the time and make up shit and hang out and make weird sounds and watch people dance. And like, what a great thing. What a, you know, what a fun job to have as a quote unquote grown up to be able to like use your imagination. <laughs> and like, that's the best shit ever, man. That's, I don't know. I, you just had to throw I'm that grateful. In there. Yeah. I just had to throw that in there. I was just listening to you. I'm like that, that sounds like the most fun ever. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it certainly is. It's what, it's what makes everything that, you know, it makes all the work part um, become sort of inconsequential in terms of the conversation, right? Like right. that's the most, because it is, it's so powerful, you know, it's a, and it's so powerful that it'll, you know, musicians will almost do it at any cost, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I think why a lot of times um, interviewers or conversationalists or whatever will ask, like, at what point did you decide to become a musician? Because not only is it like one of the biggest sacrifices you'll ever make in your life, but like Aaron said, you're playing, you're encouraged to play for a living and to kind of like whatever you need to sacrifice, you just got to do it. So that's why it's um, asked a lot because that's an inspiring um, part of life when you finally decide like, no matter what, I'm going to go down this path and I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you do that with a bunch of guys or friends, it doesn't like maybe some or one or two go off the, you know, they, they get married, they have kids and being a dad is the best thing now. And like they created a new company and now that's their thing. So like, it's an, a question that's asked a lot because I think that people, um, the average person 
that maybe wants to do something extreme or something that's all in wants to know at like what point does that happen you know like at what point do you feel comfortable enough in your skill in your partners and in your craft to move forward and you, but you guys already said it yeah. you, you guys created yeah. that you I know think, i think you just have to re- like know that like there's no way that you couldn't do it you know yeah you like realize like like once you go out and like actually do some touring and realize that oh my god this is 95 percent like hard shit and five percent like like five percent of my time is really doing the good stuff you know right. yeah 95 percent of my time is is grinding you know like traveling and doing stuff like that and then if you still feel that way then you're good yeah <laughs> no i forget i forget who it was that we spoke to but they were like you guys don't understand a musician's life is like you just said everything that we're doing is for one percent of the moment on the stage like getting in the van sleeping in a shitty hotel on the floor whatever like eating on gas station food on the road humping our gear here and there like showing up for sound check all that stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the performance the performance is like this one small little slice that we're all working towards that moment and we love doing it so much that we're willing to put up with all that other shit just to be able to have those moments on the stage and mm-hmm. well, we we saw that big big time. I don't know if you guys uh, Apollo Sons. They're from Canada. Uh, they've become good friends of ours, and they just recently came and stayed with us. Same thing. They're a seven to nine piece touring yeah. band, depending on who's available from horn section, who's filling in. But just like you guys, I mean, the logistics. I mean, most most bands are three, four people or something. The logistics of an eight person band. You know, that you're no longer in a small minivan or anything like that, pulling a trailer, the logistics. And they traveled all the way from Canada down here to do a whole West Coast tour. And Ed's kind of the guitar player leader. Anyway, Ed told us a lot about that. Ed was constantly, hey, can I put on another cup of coffee up till the middle of the night, figuring out the logistics, the next thing, where they're going to eat. I mean, that, it's a lot that, that goes was, into it. That was something I wanted to ask you guys. You know, you brought it up at the beginning of our conversation, but, um, you know, being in the from the Pacific Northwest it poses its own unique challenges. The travel. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I feel like right now, post-COVID, the Pacific Northwest is really ripe with wonderful amazing talented bands there's five or six that come to mind and is is being up here does it do you think it makes it harder as as opposed to like i don't know being from burlington or north carolina or something like that on the east coast where you can just tour from place to place really simply without these long distances in between yes it makes it a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the there's, easy there's, reason, you know, there, there's not that many West coast bands in general that have national pull, you know, yeah. there's, there's, there's West, there's West coast artists, you know, that are sort of from LA or different things like that, that are kind of pumped through the system that, that do make it do break it. But it's really difficult to get from the West coast to the East coast markets and the, and the population densities are just so vastly different. I mean, right. you know, like you live, if you live in Philadelphia, like literally you can spend the whole year playing Thursday through Saturday in, you know, all up and down the, the Eastern seaboard and play for a million, literally millions of fans that way. Right. Um, whereas, you know, on the West coast, 
you have a 14 hour drive pretty much in between everything that uh, you're doing. So there's no, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to, to, to break in that way. Um, so I think that, you know, like the, because of that, I think that, um, you have to get, be more creative, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, being from, mm-hmm. from the West coast. And, and I think that's largely why we started as a recording project. Cause we never really mm-hmm. thought it was even possible to like do any kind of touring, you know, or it, you know, just wasn't really in the sort of ethos. It was like, well, records can travel and that's, you know, people can yeah. buy right, right. the way to get the music out there, you know? Um, and so I think that, yeah, I think from, a, from a whole lot of reasons based on the infrastructure of clubs and, um, networks that exist on the East coast that just aren't really in, in existence as much on the West coast. I kind of liken it to like colleges, you know, like a university has like a four or three, you know, someone who's in place for like three years booking all the talent that comes through the university. And then they change over and it's like, everything starts over again mm-hmm. as do all the music fans that were there because they're all moved somewhere else. Right. Now they're not in college, you know, and the West coast, I think feel like is like that too. Whereas like San Francisco will have like, you know, a scene going on that's sort of starting to work with Portland a little bit. And then whatever the, whatever the breed is that, that was there is like turns over and then that relationship isn't, isn't there anymore. And now it's just, you know, it's like, you're just kind of constantly piecing islands together basically. Yep. Wow. Just sort of feels like, yeah. um, but I do feel like that the music that does break out from the West coast is, is really special because it has so much more distance travel. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know it's I mean? gotta have legs, man. <laughs> or it ain't going to make it, you know, yeah. you, you guys are, uh, is it the Star Theater? No, Aladdin. 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 You guys are playing Aladdin. New Year's at the Aladdin? That's right, yep. yeah. So what, are we looking at like a two-set long end of the night thing? We're looking at a two-set banger. It's going to be a real fun show. Um, I don't think it's going to go like super late because it is a theater, you know? It's yeah. probably somewhere around one or something, you know? But we're going to do two sets. We have um, some special guests with us as well. Adrian from um, formerly from Orgone, who's uh, oh, going to be wow. on some music, which we're really excited to work with her. And um, Grant and Art have been sort of musical directors on this evening that is being curated for you. So I hope that, uh, hope that you're ready to receive the music. That <laughs> wow. It'd be pretty heavy. Say it like that, man. Like, how can I not be mm-hmm. there for that? No, that's no. You guys, you just wrapped up the fall tour. So you're, you're taking a, a little break through the holidays and then that's going to be the comeback on, on new year's. Yeah, basically um, we, yeah, exactly. We're, we're kind of off until then we're, we're, we're trying to like oh, I love it. focus our energy on finish and just like buttoning up, buttoning up this record to get it up out and to the world. Right. So we're going to like, fin- fin- you know, hopefully do that here in the next week or so. And then uh, focus on New Year's. Um, we've, we've actually been rehearsing for this New Year's show. Like we don't, this band hasn't had a real polyrhythmics rehearsal in probably years or so and uh, what? that's so fu- i was gonna ask you guys about rehearsing but okay there it is i mean we we all we all play a lot and we all rehearse a lot but and we all have music that we're sharing with each other all the time but most of the actual rehearsal time that polyrhythmics gets is during sound checks you know we we do try wow. we have we have our own sound engineer who we travel with his name is Stu jackson who's a very key part of what we're uh the music that we're delivering and um is really responsible for making it sound amazing pretty much everywhere we go and thank you he also allows us to dial in our sound checks pretty quickly so we have you know time to rehearse um in that sound check time and um we really do use that time <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um, that's kind of the, the main thing but for this new year's show we've actually been having rehearsals and learning music and 
and um, really kind of um, focusing on some nuances that uh, I think are going to be going to be a thing. So you got to be there. Hell yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I can't <laughs> fucking wait, man. Well, that's um, why I had to ask that. I'm just thinking you guys on stage are you're not going to be on stage for a month and then coming back to that. That's going to be something, something special. Yes. Yeah. It'll be fun. We're still, we're still playing a lot though. We're not, we're not, uh, yeah. we're not like just like, you know, we don't have our feet. Oh up. yeah. Yeah. You're not, yeah. You're not just <laughs> sleeping till noon. We're waiting. Yeah, drink a hot cocoa <laughs> and just veg it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's not true. I'm, I'm actually going to Mexico for a week for my honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Grand. Do it to it, man. That's rad. Um, but I'm going to come back ready. Yeah, you are. <laughs> when, when did you get married? <laughs> uh, and, uh, the end of July. Right on, man. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. It's a, uh, We've been married 25 years. No, nope, not yet. Oh, almost. Not yet. No, November 30th, 25 years. <laughs> almost. Wow. Four days. Congratulations. Thanks, man. It's, it's, it's a dope thing. Um, so, yeah, enjoy that journey. It's a trip. <laughs> uh, where can everybody find out more info, your tour info, all that stuff, so they want to find out more about Polyrhythmics? www.polyrhythmics.com uh, Okay, right yep. that's the spot. Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, or the website, or all, or all of the above. Uh, recently, TikTok too. Oh right. shit! Okay, who does, who does the TikTok? Who's who's <laughs> in charge of social media? I think Eli is doing the TikTok, um, and then we all I I do a lot of the Instagram stuff. Also, our manager Frank Rinaldi does some Instagram stuff and Facebook stuff. We try to we try to pass it around a little bit, you know, when we yeah. can. It's such a weird thing. It's so it weird. Is. The whole social media <laughs> thing is such a weird. Like you say TikTok, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to do it. Yeah, but I just don't. We've been putting I've it off for so, so long. I, oh, for me, yeah. I feel like I feel like my brain is just like a little bit too old uh -huh. to understand like the concept of we're out here like really trying to make experiences happen, right? We're actually having experiences like. We're, right. we're traveling long distances and yeah. rocking shows and having fun and, and making music and like, you know, connecting with, with music fans and people like yourselves who are just like, who live for music. You know, this is like such a, a crazy little world and bubble. And then we have to go back and like regurgitate that for someone else <laughs> yes. to experience it from their couch. It like <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. You uh -oh. know? You're like, what is going on? It doesn't make sense, but it's also one of those things like you don't really understand how it rains, but it rains, yeah. you know, like it's a part of this. Well, it's a climate that we live in right now. And it's, well, I, I'm just going to say it's so important because, well, we just had um, Jay Blakesburg and his daughter, Ricky um, Blakesburg here at the house and talking about their new project, the retro Blakesburg. And so her thought on put, she actually was the spearheaded this whole thing of getting all her dad's old pictures out. And when we asked, like, why, why? what was the, the, the thought behind it? She was like, well, I want people my age, and she's my daughter's age, 26, 27 years old, to be able to know about my dad's work more than just what he's known dead. for, right. the Grateful Dead. He's photographed, you know, he's, you know, photographed everybody. And this is new generation. That's their language. That's what they speak. They speak I, social media. They speak TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And like, if you, you just are, you, you don't want to die with just this generation that knows and loves you. You want to pass it on because like you were saying earlier, you can be like, inspire them in ways you never even knew they hear that eight piece and now there's a 14 piece up there doing some kind of <laughs> crazy something that you never expected, you know? So it's like kind of not to leave the, 
the younger generations out of the awesome stuff that's happening yeah. right now. Yeah. It's the I, only way that I can I make myself love, feel better about it. I also <laughs> love that she had his daughter added in and she's on dad's not allowed to touch the page or do anything with it. Cause he doesn't understand <laughs> it like I do. So it, it's like, okay, yeah. well, I think, I, I want to see more all ages venues so we could get more of these kids. Out yes. Yes. Real, yes. Uh, real experiences and, and meet people the real, the old fashioned way, I guess. And Absolutely. Have, and your music is literally perfect for that too, to well, have an all ages, uh, you know, set up. One, one of our favorite thing, we love going to the crystal ballroom here and we love it. We just, who was it? We saw green sky, green sky. and it wasn't an all age show. We love the all age shows where they split the room. It's like, if you want to yeah. be drunk with your friends, the go hang out over there, make a, mess of the floor and we always hang out on the under 21 side it's funner it's yes. more alive. There's not a mess all over the floor. There's nobody spilling and really stuff dancing. on you. And, they're, and they're dancing and you're feeling that young vibe, which, you know, elevates us too. being older to be in there with them. I love that you said that there does need to be a lot more all ages shows. Yep. To, everybody deserves your music and music That's true. in general. Yep. Agreed. And you guys, I can't wait to see you on New Year's. We, we okay. I will say this: we did right. not have New Year's plans, and Aaron just created them right now. Well, we've no, been, we've yeah. been talking about. We've been this. circling. I, things I haven't of been what to part do. of this conversation, and I'm married to him. So well, here think about how long that's been going on. It's, it's happening. <laughs> well, our management is going to be really excited that we are in two more ticket sales. Today. Heck yeah, yeah man! Yeah. <laughs> they, guys, thanks so much for everything that you do and the intention you put into your craft, man. And, it's yeah. it really we really appreciate it on a personal level and on a on a bigger scale. And when the when the record comes out, come back and let's talk about the record and, and help promote it and do all that. And if you all need um, anything, when you're here in Portland, you got my number, man. We'll be using it. All right. Great. You too. You're already here, man. (laughs) Thank you so much. You guys We really appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time, you guys. All right. Later. Bye-bye. Have a good day. And listening back to that just makes me all the more excited to go hang out with them on new year's eve we we have since the end of this episode here since the end of this conversation figured out that we are for sure oh yeah we we purchased tickets (laughs) we convinced others to go we saw their confirmed purchase um it's gonna be incredible we got a whole group going that's right i think at last count it was up to like 15 16 what or so yeah well, I mean, there's three of us. Yeah. Okay. And we, yeah, yeah, one, two, three, four other couples, which is, makes it yeah. eight riders joining us at a show. Wow. Connor right. got a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there's probably some others that, that we haven't. We're not thinking. We haven't even heard of yet. Yeah. It's going to be a hell of a night. I I hope that if you uh, are out there right now and you're like, man, I should go. Yeah. It's yeah. Only, you should go. Yeah. It's only twenty five bucks. It's fun. Family. New Year, what else? Can you know, you want? I did. I well, I love the venue myself. That's the other thing. Like I said, the Aladdin. We've seen circles there. Uh, we saw somebody else there. I can't remember, but the the setup there is cool. Like they like you know, if you want to have libations, they got two separate bars that never get too busy. They got a great staff there. They're not like hardcore on the security like some spots. They got an outdoor smoking area if you want to step out. It's just like, funny that Mel and I, like Apple's describing the whole venue, and Mel and I just looked at each other, <laughs> and she mouthed, I don't remember 
And I said, <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm like where, I, you, I thought you guys were making have, fun of I, me for a minute. Like, no, so no, well, you were doing a great job. Yeah. Of, your memory is incredible. The only, oh, I could totally remember. I even, I, I can remember one. It's like the Cenodome theaters they have. We had one in Vegas. There's a lot of Cenodome theaters. It's like the dome. It's like being in a, uh, what do you what? call it? Like, like Griffith Observatory. What? Uh, yeah, the Aladdin Theater is like a dome inside. We saw circles around the sun there. And in fact, I can remember you. Do you remember you ended up having? Yeah, I had to poop. Yeah, you looked at me. You're all kind of sweaty. And you're like, oh, I got to poop at the show. Yeah, oh, and they got okay. like a nice. That's all I remember. They got an area with like some booths and stuff that you can sit down and chill and like step away if you need to. I just but, remember you know, it's just a cool venue. Coming on to my sacrament and having to go to the bathroom. <laughs> And being really upset that I had to go to the bathroom and then being in that bathroom, like coming up and I, I, I have very good attention to detail at venues. Yeah, you do. I like to walk around everywhere, listen to the sound in different areas, get it, learn where everything's at. And I'm know the opposite. The I like to stay put. Can you show <laughs> me the pictures again, Mel? Cause you, you just showed me, I, it, it looked like somewhere I'd never been. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I it's, love it. It's cool being me because sometimes I get to go someplace twice for the first time. Yeah. Like well, this. And again, too, I mean, that's what I love. Like, like the three of us, we talk about it all the time. It's like three of us all put together make one really good mind because <laughs> I got my shortcomings with a lot of things. I struggle with the English language. <laughs> yes, you do. pronunciate things sometimes. And, you know, we all, you know, we all bring it together as one. Yeah. I thought it was this one, but I still had a block remembering. Yeah, I, all I, I remember is the bathroom. So if you've never been there, make sure to come join us for Aaron and Mel's first time going to the Aladdin <laughs> Theater <laughs> to have a, have a blast on New and Year's hey, Eve. Hey, if, if you are into bathroom tours, their bathroom is really nice. I, I do remember that. I think I went there with Doug, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, it's going to be a fun show. And you know what? I I really uh I hope that those of you that are listening to the show in other parts of the country dig into what these guys have put out. It's yeah. uh it's really worth it and um these are just some really talented incredibly talented guys that that deserve your attention yeah definitely and you know what it's like speaking of that you know if you want to uh or even if you don't want to encourage you to like reach out to us and tell like what did you do on new year's in your town for like you know what funky cool band did you go see on new year's that you want to turn us on to? so wait a minute did Throw you just tell there. people that they need to do it even if they don't want to Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I was encouraging. Sure. Even if you do, you do a lot of times people are like, you know, I'd like to, but I don't want to. Like, do it, man. We always want to hear new music, and like, just like we want you to. Yeah. Well, you too. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. You too's new music. You new ever heard music. of Bono? Oh God. Anyway, that's it. Uh, we are gonna get going. That's and, it. Uh, we, we'll be back on Monday with more wait, stuff. Wait, wait, hold on. Monday. Got, got a couple little things real quick. Oh no. How how much does Santa pay for parking? I don't know, Apple. Nothing. It's free. It's on the house. Oh. Uh, <laughs> why why ouch. why did Santa's little helper why was Santa's little helper depressed? I don't know. He had bad elf esteem. Oh. Anyway. A couple we'll, holiday jokes for you there. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday with more stuff and <laughs> things wah, with wah, another wah, No wah. Simple Road Weekly Rewind. And until then, take care of each other and Merry Christmas. Merry Smile Christmas. a stranger. Open your presents, drink hot chocolate, Happy Hanukkah. spend some time with your family, light a fire. What, a, what is the fear of being locked in a room with Santa called? 
Santaphobia. Claustrophobia. I gotta go now. We love you guys. <laughs> Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Love you all. <laughs> tell you about the April May 2023 issue of Relics magazine features a Dave Matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the National Graham Nash Wayne Shorter ALO Ivan Neville our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore Marty Stewart and much more check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB thanks Relics Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.